0: Welcome back to the latest episode of the CJA podcast. As always, here I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and on tonight's episode of the podcast, I'm joined by fellow Thunder fan, fellow NBA fan,
1: Chance Thurman. Chance, how's it going? How's it going? Happy to be here. Yeah, doing doing good, doing good. Thanks. Yeah, uh,
0: glad to have you on here. I know we want to talk a little bit of some NBA basketball, but before then. Talk a, little, uh, talk a little Thunder basketball um, as well, too, as we end out the podcast here. So, Chance, I-, I sent you over an outline here, kind of looking forward to this NBA season. Want to hit some news and notes here, because I haven't talked about this at all in the podcast, but what what are your first thoughts on seeing the Bucks Thunder, kind of Giannis, and Dame Lillard, and those guys uh, not too long ago
1: the preseason? Man, so, first of all, this offseason has been crazy. I think... Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of attention on the NBA with making moves and you're seeing that firsthand and it's cool that we get to see a, an early glimpse of what Damian Lillard and Giannis can do. And I'll be honest, I was pleasantly surprised with that game. I would have loved to go to that game in person and I'm jealous that I didn't. But I think that we're seeing the capabilities of Giannis and Dame. but I'm also I'm seeing the capabilities of the thunder and let's just say I'm excited. And I think this is going to be an interesting year for sure.
0: Oh, totally with you. I I think the, the craziest thing is that Damon Lillard can try to hit a step back. Chad Holmgren can still block it. So that was a cool thing to see the other night, but, but yeah, this has been a crazy NBA off season. Wild to think that the Miami heat didn't end up getting Damian Lillard after all of the kind of off season drama and the, the Blazers just saying, "Hey, you know what? We're going to wait this out. We're going to see what better offers we get." And at the end of the day, they got, I, I think, a better offer for them. But also, they just didn't have to. They didn't have to take the Heat offer, which was uh, interesting to me as well, too. So, all right. Well, with that outline here, um, wanted to, wanted to see what your rankings are as far as the NBA kind of top duos. I listen to a lot of the Bill Simmons podcast, and he's hinted that in an upcoming episode, he's going to do. Hey, what's the, you know, kind of what's the, um, the last like big three, like, are there any, you know, big threes anymore, but for right now, what's, what's kind of your ranking of the top NBA duos, at least in the league, you know, what, what is, uh, what does it look like right now, at least for it?
1: Sure. So, you know, this is an interesting topic as well, because I feel like kind of similar to what you just said, there's a lot of changes going on, duos are becoming trios and, People are downsizing and, you know, it's going to open up people opportunities to score more or make a bigger name for themselves, however you'd like to look at that. But overall, I think there's, it. it, if I had to be honest, I think the true skill level of my rankings are more based on what I saw throughout the playoffs and the end of last year. But looking into this season and just all the changes that have gone on, I think their skill sets are still very valuable and and they may not be brand new, but I think that with the way it's going, it looks like these guys really have a chance to kind of put their name out there as the best in the nBA so um we'll start with an honorable mention here. I think that you can't go wrong with Stefan Clay now, I can't put them in my top three simply because. I think the last couple of years have been kind of hit or miss shaky injuries and, and kind of different off the court things with Draymond and, and Jordan Poole, for example, things like that. But I do think that you can't ever count them out. So I wanted to give them a brief mention. And also with that previous thought, Chris Paul, this man very well could be Steph's new clay depending on how things go. I'm not saying it to that extreme. We understand he's, he's getting old, but can he get his first ring? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but To go on to my top three here, I'll go with number three. Can't go wrong with LeBron James and Anthony Davis.
0: You know, I, I knew uh, they make an appearance. I knew no matter what LeBron and AD were going to be on the list. I'm surprised at three though. So go ahead.
1: Yeah. So, don't get me wrong. I've actually had my my own opinions about the Lakers and opinions about kind of where they where they changed or differed since that bubble season. But I think that you can't ever count them out just as an unstoppable force. You know they have synergy whenever they're on the court together and they take turns dominating, if you will. But I think the reason I can't label them any higher than that is simply because of the last couple years in the history of things. I think Anthony Davis has the ability to be one of the best players to ever play this game. But I also think he is the most injury prone player in the NBA. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. I really do support and watch LeBron's greatness all the time. So of course, you know, in my eyes, I want to see the man succeed, but we'll have to see what he does, but he has a chance. He definitely has a chance and AD needs to take the torch. You know what I mean? So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got he's got to step up
0: there, prove that he, you know, at one point he was leading. Well, he was leading like all the NBA offseason GM surveys of who would you start your team around for years. And then he gets traded to the Lakers, doesn't really get mentioned in those. Also gets injured where he plays at one point. He played one season over two whole seasons. So you are just not not putting together a great health record there. But I'm with you. He's got to take the torch now. This can't be LeBron James going, oh, I got to go for MVP. It's got to be, oh, you know what? This is is Anthony Davis going for MVP where I'm a contributing factor on this team. But yeah, he's got to take over here.
1: And I think he has a chance to do that. You know, he just has to get out of his head. He has to focus on the fact that he needs to keep his body right. And he needs to take his new lineup of, of supporting cast and really understand how to be flexible with that. And I don't know about the coach's request to uh, shoot more threes, but we'll see. Mm. Now, um, let's go into my number two here. So, one and two are really hard for me, and I think the differing factor here is kind of just the last couple years and and how it's gone and the success that people have had. And you may be surprised, but I I'm basing a lot of the ranking here kind of on skill level and accolades. So at number two, I'm going to have to put Kevin Durant and Devin Booker.
2: Oh, okay. Now, okay.
1: Now, let me just say this. I think last year was kind of iffy on what they could have actually done. And I've kind of felt that way with most of the teams kevin has been on in the last few years like the nets for example i feel like he kind of missed in my in my mind he missed that opportunity by a toe he was so (laughs) close to ending that series and anyway that's besides the point so my point here is kevin durant is one of the greatest players it's obviously hard for us here in oklahoma to love him the same as we used to i mean geez, I still have the dudes basketball shorts and I wear them all the time. So it's, you know, I, I get over that aspect, but I, I do think that he is truly one of the most talented scorers to ever play the game. And Devin Booker also has the ability to be that type of person. I mean, the man has a 70 plus point game. We just have to, we have to see them kind of gain that true. uh, What's the word I'm looking for. It's just that magic that you need to connect and get to that, next step which i think they're close and i think with Beale joining the squad i it could either be very very hard to guard and somehow a winning factor or it could just kind of make things more clunky so i'm curious your thoughts on that
0: yeah i i think you could make everything more clunky i i think really there's just not gonna be a lot of defense played but you you get these guys together and you go screw it we don't need defense right like that's that's the that's got to be one of the mottos here is that okay we're going to try to stop some teams but that's not how we're going to win games right um with kd it's just injuries like right now when i think of kevin durant the basketball player i go man he's the greatest player in nba 2k but is he the greatest <laughs> player in the nba because in 2k he's, he's always healthy man right like you he turn the green. injury sliders off you know you you just don't even have to worry about it Whereas season, you know, in and out, is Kevin Durant gonna play fifty-five games this season? Is he gonna play sixty games? Is he gonna play seventy-two? Is he gonna hit the? Well, I think the threshold now is sixty-five to be in like the MVP case. So you know, and all the uh, kind of postseason, kind of what well, I shouldn't say postseason, but all the regular season awards, is you have to play sixty-five games. So is Kevin Durant gonna hit that threshold? And I I don't know what the Vegas lines are on that, but. That's that's how we see, okay, is KD and Booker going to be a great duo? Or is this kind of gonna be uh Bradley Beal and Booker with Kevin Durant sprinkled in time to time and really saved for the playoffs? Almost like a, okay, you know what? We know that load management's a thing with Kevin Durant. What I what I'll say is that cho Leonard and Paul George I don't know if they're making number one I don't think they're i'm gonna have a just a shot in the dark here. I'm curious you got number one <laughs> as there's two two there's two separate duos left um one recent and one very uh one recently came together and the other one um not so recently but recently got healthy together but I, I like the duo so far I'm just very curious how this is all gonna line up because you know, you got Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. Is that going to be the Suns plus Kevin Durant for 55 games? Or is this going to be Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal, and all of them possibly play 15 games together in the regular season, get to the playoffs, and all of a sudden we see kind of what happened with the Nets, where, okay, you get in the playoffs, crunch time breaks down, who's the guy with the ball in his hands the last couple seconds? Oh, it's KD. Oh, but put has got his foot on the line because they played the Bucks to seven games, and it probably shouldn't have even been that close for the Nets. So. Yeah, I'm real curious to see how we're going to see all these guys on the court, how many games we're going to see all three on the court together for how many minutes, because I think that's going to be the the make or break it as far as they go in the Western Conference this year.
1: Couldn't agree more. Spot on evaluation of, of that idea for sure. I just, so to your original question, I think the answer is yes. I think KD is going to take this year and he's going to try to play as many games as physically possible without hindering his chances of a post-season run. But I also think that to your point, there is a big opportunity for there to be disconnects, especially when it comes to play time and rotations. And, you know, uh, it's going to be a tough time for that coach. Let's just say that, but you know, these guys are one of the best scores in the entire league. All three of them can easily average more than 30 points a game. Now, that's when they're the main guy. So it's going to be very interesting to see how a team like that can disperse the roles a little bit. And like I said, it could be clunky and it could flop. It really could. But if they can find a way to groove, I think it's going to be pretty hard to stop their offensive firepower. And I think defense is obviously needed to get to that next level. I think it's going to be, if anything, probably first or second round exit for them if they can't figure that out but time will tell and i think that with all the changes that have been happening to the other teams you have to kind of figure out your identity and i think the thunder have a great opportunity because their identity has been being developed for so many years now that all these other teams that are kind of just now making that extra trade oh we got our big three let's go yeah that's all fine and dandy until you're you know, like you said, crunch time comes and your foot's on the line and you missed a three that would have won the game by an inch. It just depends. And on top of that, you never know how the players are going to react with each other. You can only hope that they're gonna synergize and share the ball, but I don't know. We'll see how the egos work there. But yeah, I think you'll be quite surprised at my uh my number one.
0: Well, let's let's hear it. Well, who we got?
1: All right, so. Before I say this, I just want to say this specific ranking has a lot to do with success. Okay, Mm -hmm. I think these players, maybe a couple years ago, would not be on anybody's radar as people that would be considered one of the top duos, but I think these guys have grown together for so many years that they finally understand, especially growing through injuries and how to to rehab. I'm not necessarily sure about one of these guys and their injury patterns. In fact, I don't recall many injuries at all. But either way, I think you can never count out the reigning champs, Jokic and Murray. There we go. That was that's that's exactly what I was hoping. I was hoping you wouldn't leave them off. You can't, and that's the thing, you know. I bet many places around the world, around the US specifically, maybe have already counted out the the nuggets again and i think you can't do that i think they have such a calm and delicate approach to basketball that sure it's maybe it's not as flashy or you know not as physically demanding you're not smacking each other around as much as some of the other games maybe like the bucks and miami and such like that but the way that they play is so poised And I can say this because I recall a game from last season where I got to watch it closely. And you just see how comfortable they are and they don't rush things. And I think, you know, it just shows in their success. You don't get that type of championship with that type of caliber playoffs without having some real understanding of the game of basketball, excellent coaching, and overall just guys that are willing to balance the load you know now if you're talking about like a 2k perspective of course you're gonna you're gonna think about the main scores you have on your team you want to get a couple people with 25 plus points per night but what about the teams that are all averaging 10 to 12 points through like uh players one through eight that's Mm. the denver nuggets and those people just they figured it out and i think they have a really good shot to to run it back unless other teams can really put their foot down, analyze their play style and realize what they're doing and find a way to stop it and stop ultimately that man Jokic who this offseason looks so uninterested in basketball, I'm not going to lie, but I think he's still just somehow that guy because he's he's just very calm about his entire approach to life it looks like it really does. It
0: looks like every single time I've seen a Jokic highlight of him not playing basketball or even on it him on the sidelines just kind of watching a game he looks as though he's like at a nine five job and he goes oh man i just can't wait until i can leave here whereas <laughs> all of us are going oh my gosh this is the coolest thing ever we get to watch one of the most talented naturally get to basketball players ever play the sport and damn he's like when can i get back to horse racing when can i go back home i mean that's just literally what he, he he was disappointed he had in uh, in Denver for a parade. It's like I, I can't. go The parades win. Huh? I gotta stick around. But I'm with you. He's so he's so funny from that aspect because he's so naturally gifted. He's seven foot, but he can play. Basically a point guard he can play center. He can play probably you know small forward. I don't know what all positions he couldn't play at this point. He's not a great defense guy, but he's good enough. He's so good that. Actually I have a follow up question for you here on this. Do you think that Donovan Mitchell is known as a better NBA player than he is right now if you just switch him with Jamal Murray? Or to the same Jamal Murray if he just switches roles?
1: That's a very interesting question. So I think you can't discredit the years that Jokic and Murray have played together. I think they have kind of understood what their team dynamic is going to be for five plus years, you know, and you can't just magically get that from a trade. You know, I think Donovan Mitchell, for example, is a great player. I think the man has kind of similar uh, play style to Murray. I can see the comparison for sure, but I think that I don't necessarily think it can't be a plug and play type situation there, but I think if you were to kind of, put two parallel seasons, one with Murray and one with Mitchell, I still think Murray and Jokic are going to have the favor there just because of the chemistry they've built. And I think you could tell by the way they react to each other, especially after they won, those guys only want to see each other succeed. And especially coming back from devastating injuries and, and being able to do that, That's something that I like to see just in general for the the state of humanity. You know, people are so quick to judge, especially in the NBA, people are quick to be called soft or, you know, glass out there, if you will. But these guys got to understand they're going through a grueling 82 game season, not to mention the off season, not to mention the workouts they do, you know, behind the scenes, the practices and all that stuff. So, you know, as As gentlemen that like to participate and pick up basketball throughout the week, let me just say, right. I don't think I'd ever be able right. to do it it's That's some type of endurance that requires just next level care of your body and your lifestyle and And also, what's interesting is those people, um uh, specifically the Denver Nuggets, they have to play at high altitudes the most of the time, so if you think about that, that could be just kind of a low key. Upgrade that most other teams don't get to to have because they're not spending the majority of their time a mile high. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, uh, for I, I guess i right now. And I wonder for years. year is the Denver Nuggets team a faster playing team because you would you at such a high level altitude wise. Such you know nuggets. Why is
0: it that when they get down to sea level, are they not just so thick we can breathe so much better? We're just
2: gonna sprint back up down the court. Tailor the game to what your strengths are, which your ability to oxygen. People are accustomed to. Why not? You know. So i you know, just kind of have a thought. I I you, you did mention any, any reason why is it just too soon?
0: Because I I don't know. Because if it's too soon and you just mentioned Giannis and Dame, um, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting, right? Like I. Any reason why you didn't mention Giannis and Dame?
1: So I think they have potential for sure. But like I said before, I think that the previous season is kind of dictating a lot of what I'm looking at here. Do I think that Dame and Giannis can be something special? Absolutely. In fact, I think if you put in my mind, this is how I analyze it and I'll have a little segue about Drew holiday in a second, but just to kind of go there I think that they have to develop chemistry and that's going to take time they're both extremely talented players and I think that putting Damian out there behind the three and having Giannis just somewhere in the paint is probably the closest thing you're going to see to two offensive juggernauts like we saw with Kobe and Shaq. That's That'll be my example. Now, I don't want to say that they're Kobe and Shaq because it's very hard to be Kobe and Shaq. Let me put that out there. But, I think that they have that kind of dynamic going for them where they're both so gifted in that area that it just makes me think, what are these other teams going to do? Now, it's hard for me to fully understand that yet. Like I said, I need to see the games. I need to see an actual season game and how it flows to be able to make a proper analysis there. But, I think that they both have the capability of being just absolutely insane. But if you have teams like the Thunder who have excellent defense and know how to shut people down, I know it's pretty hard to shut Giannis down. I don't think there's been very many games where that that gentleman gets shut down to like a certain field goal percentage. But Dame is the type of guy, and no offense to him, that can go cold. And we're seeing that right now. So. He's got to wake up, and if he does, I think they really have a chance to be one of the best duos, for sure. But I can't put them on a list until they show me something.
0: Totally with you. I, I completely agree. There's there's so much more time we need to see these guys play together. And there's just really there's, there's no evidence so far that this works incredibly well, and it works like the top three duos in the NBA. So, so totally with you there. Uh, 110% agree. But you know, got got to ask you here, now as it stands, is there any other duo you could see overtaking any of these three spots this year? Could you see like SGA Giddy or SGA Chet kind of rising up here and taking that third spot from AD and LeBron? Or do you think that'd be more of AD and LeBron fall off a little bit to let another duo in?
1: So that's a really good point. And let me just say this so everybody understands. I am a diehard Thunder fan have been for the entirety of their existence. I mean, somewhat even in the Seattle days, I've even seen some of that, and it can translate over. But I'm from Oklahoma. I, I love basketball. And seeing the team be what it was in the glory days and seeing it what it is now, I love Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. He is my favorite player. I think that the man is has created something for himself that is unparalleled for the rest of the NBA. I think he's one of the most gifted natural scorers and just creation of different opportunities to score and facilitate that I've ever seen. It's Hmm. so smooth. He's, he never forces anything. And with the addition of Chet, and let me just say Chet, is not your average rookie. Okay. The man just spent an entire year side by side with some of the best players in the NBA. In this mm-hmm. case, I'm talking about Shea and got to study the game as closely as humanly possible while having that crazy desire to be out there and, and performing, you know, that is something that people cannot take away from this from him specifically in this rookie of the year race because he is going to surprise people and i know that there's it's a tough battle when you're going against someone like Wimbenyama, but I, I truly think that that's going to be interesting so back to your original point shay and chet that is something that i think can be extremely hard to beat The only thing that makes me not fully consider them a duo yet is because of the way our team is constructed. Everybody is so selfless with the basketball on the Thunder. And I think when you have a player like Giddy, you have a player like J-Dub. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Chet is, he's a monster. And I really like his, his rim protection above all else. But to see that he is just also an offensive weapon like that, I think Shea is truly lucky this year, and he's just going to have an absolute squad of buckets around him. So really excited to see what could happen. And to your previous question, I think there is a big chance that players like KD, Booker, LeBron, AD could fall out of their spots and could definitely be overtaken. Do I necessarily think that's going to be Shea? I can't say that at this moment in time, but do I think it's possible? 110%, for sure.
0: All right. Well, then there we go. Uh, I, I, it's Thunder fan. Gotta love to hear that, right? So, all right. Next, uh, next up here on, on the topic list here, though, is the season predictions. I had, a, I had a strong ask here, but do you have two teams from the Western Conference you think that are going to make the playoffs this year that did not last year?
1: So, for the West, I think it was a little bit easier for me to analyze than the East. I, you know, I'm an NBA enthusiast, I'll say, but there's kind of limitations to to the level of my awareness and my involvement in watching games and keeping up with kind of their stats and things like that. So the East is a little less inclined for me, but for the West, you can't take away from the Thunder. So the Thunder were so close last year. In fact, I think they had kind of a kind of a goof up when it comes to the play in. In my opinion, I think they kind of just had some awkward games and it kind of put them in an uncomfortable position to be able to win those series. But with the addition of Chet and everything that we just talked about, you cannot count the Thunder out from making the playoffs. Now, my second pick here, I think, is also going to surprise people this year. I think it also comes down to having experience, developing chemistry, and, you know, sometimes it's not just an instantaneous thing. And so many people are so quick to analyze trades right away when they get somebody that's a big name or, you know, instantly gets headlines. But you really got to analyze it for what it is. These are guys that have never played together most of the time. And some of them are so talented with their ball in the hands that it's, it's hard to figure out how they're going to make it work. But I think that this other team, has a great organization for one, and two, they have just such talent that I can't see them going another season without making the playoffs. And that team is the Dallas Mavericks.
0: Yeah, no, totally got you. Um, all right, well, well, the Mavericks. I'm kind of surprised they didn't make your duo. Then they didn't make any of the the Luka Kyrie. Did you have to kind of cut them? Were they a last minute cut here for making the top three of duos?
1: So, I actually didn't even consider them for duos strictly because I think their first season together was very, very much of a mixed bag and not necessarily an accurate depiction of what they can do. But mm-hmm. it, it didn't seem to work. And a lot of people that I've spoke to about this topic, because it's been something that's kind of been analyzed over the last season for sure. Yeah. But they're just both very—I don't know how to word this. They're—they're they're both so talented. But the way that they operate is almost similar in the sense that they they really spend a lot of the shot clock with the ball in their hands that I just knew it didn't make sense for them to be able to go out there and just instantly make themselves known as just an impactful duo. Now, are they going to go out and get buckets and wow people? Absolutely. You're talking about Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, the best handles in the NBA, one of the best um, closers of games whenever he gets hot and just an all-around high IQ player. And then also Luka Doncic, a player that could seriously be a generational talent that we've never seen, especially when he was averaging all those triple doubles. And I I think that's a possibility again. But that was before Kyrie's entrance, really. And I'm sure he still has moments where he gets triple doubles, but I'm sure they're far less because it's just hard to find that balance between how we're going to get everybody involved and i really think mark cuban and the coach have a lot to figure out this year on how to make that work but if you can figure that out if you can make the project of kyrie irving and luka Doncic work then i think you have something really special i i think you do too
0: i i think you do too um i just i just don't see it working out honestly yeah if someone that's the way me, it's both, pointing both these guys yeah both these guys need the ball in their hand and it just is not it's not trending their way you know it's not neither plays defense good enough that i'm like oh yeah you know what that's the guy so we'll see here um all right what about the eastern conference here though as well because i mean you know the the thunder i mean that's uh well if you're in that in the western conference make the playoffs but but what about uh you know what Basically, what about those those Eastern Conference teams here? What are you seeing?
1: Sure. So this analysis, I would say, is mostly in respect to what I've seen in the offseason. Not so much previous experience in last year's playoff run and things like that. But I think, especially after some recent games, I think that there's a big chance for players that used to be second man up to make some big plays, to be coming off the bench and really important to a team. I think some of those guys, when they get the opportunity to shine, they shine. Now, I can't say this is going to be a guaranteed success right off the bat, but for some reason, I have a feeling that we're going to see a nice run from the Washington Wizards. Ooh, interesting. Okay. All right. And the reason I say that is because Jordan Poole, I think he's kind of a misunderstood player. I think he definitely had some kind of off-the-court issues that may have bled into his kind of professional approach to to making the, the postseason run work with the Warriors. And, of course, when you have disconnects with people that have been a part of a dynasty for a decade, of course, it's going to be hard for you to voice your opinion. And, of course, it gets you into trouble with – both the organization and other players. And nobody likes that. That's where you just start falling off. But I think the the guy is very, very, very talented. I think that he is a bit reckless at times. And we see that a lot with players that come off the bench like that. You know, they want to make their, their impact known. A lot of times they're fresh legs when everyone else is starting to get tired. So, of course, they're ready to go. But that kind of leads to an being overzealous if you will in many cases and I think we saw a lot of that in the playoffs with the Warriors but I think that the guy is really showing that he can he can be the guy and I think Kuzma was kind of in that similar situation so if those guys can really gel and I have for some reason I just feel like they will I think there's a chance that the Wizards will make some noise and he'll be able to kind of and him meaning Jordan Poole will be able to talk the talk a little bit and be like, "Yeah, go ahead and trade me. It don't matter."
0: I I mean the Wizards last year they finished you know twenty three games back of the Bucks, but they really finished. I mean twelve games under five hundred. They were thirty five forty seven, and yeah, they had Bradley Beal. But like, would you rather have Bradley Beal or Jordan Poole on your team? And I guess the question is for you. How much better is Jordan Poole than Bradley Beal?
1: Uh, okay. So that's a tough, that's a tough analysis. You know,
0: you know what I mean? Cause like that's, that's where I'd land on the, okay, is Bradley Beal just, was he just not healthy enough basically to, to take the, to take the Wizards? Were the Wizards also tanking, you know, from that standpoint as well, too? Cause they were three and seven the last 10 games of the season. So were they just kind of like, dude, let's bottom out?
1: I think that has a lot to do with it, actually. Okay. I think, I think Bradley Beal is the better player. But I think that Jordan Poole is hungrier. Jordan Poole is ready to make his name known and to show people that he's not a scrub and that he can still carry a team and and maybe even, you know, be that main starting guy that can show up and and be that way and not have to take a back seat or deal with any other type of altercation, but um but no, I think if you were to to have a fully invested Bradley Beal, I think that that team would still probably be a bit better. But the thing is, I think that Jordan Poole has a higher ceiling right now. We've seen Beal. We've seen Beal for years. We've mm-hmm. seen him with Westbrook, we've seen him when he was kind of just by himself. And don't get me wrong, the, the man can score, but can he lead and can he does he he kind of set his own ceiling for himself i think earlier than i would have liked to have seen it and maybe that's not true maybe the man can show up this season on the suns and and just wow me and i'm very well possible that could happen but i think that you kind of have to analyze where these guys are their age and where their mentality is and i think that pool and kuzma are two types of guys that are ready to surprise people kind of like a younger tatum and brown if you will like, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm, that's that's the way I would see that, is they have a chance to be like, yeah, we got traded, or, or we're not on as, as promising of a team as the rest of the league is talking about right now, but we still go out here and get buckets, and if they're winning games, I think they're definitely going to be able to kind of generate a flow, and we see that from time to time with teams that are not ranked very high, they start to go on some, you know, five to ten game win streaks at a time, or things like that, it happens, so that's my feedback on that but for my other team i was this one was really tough for me and i think that in general this team that i'm about to mention has just been relevant for so long but I, like i said i'm not a huge eastern conference enthusiast that much but they they just seem to have always been able to weather the storm of whatever trades they had to undergo and still find a way to be relevant and that team is the toronto raptors
0: I like it. I can see it. I can see it for sure. The Raptors, real quick here. Last year, they made the play in game, but that's part of this year was, you know, if you didn't make the actual playoffs, you know, you weren't the Hawks or the Heat. You weren't top eight. That then you didn't qualify uh, for this part of this first part of the podcast here. But they were five hundred on the season. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I like it. I think it's possible for sure.
1: I like their off-season acquisition of Grady Dick. I think he's a good player. In fact, I know a I have a friend that lives in Canada and he always kind of <laughs> he likes to make make the analysis between the Thunder and the Raptors and kind of where they're different and things like that. And you know, we may talk about this a little bit later in the podcast, but I think that a player like Pascal Siakam can never really be counted out. And, you know, those are type of special players that may not get the notoriety as as everyone else in the NBA, but they still show up every night and perform. And I mean, like you saw it last season, they were very close to getting into the playoffs. And I think that if they can kind of bolster their lineup a little bit, which it seems like they have, very well could be an increase of a couple games, of a couple wins, and have a better shot at getting in.
0: All right, I'm. You know what? I I can definitely see the Raptors. The Wizards one, I think, is a little bit, a little bit tougher. If I'm doing two from the West, I, I listen. Thunder, Thunder, and Mavs. I think those are probably the two. I could also hear see just the Pelicans and Thunder. Granted, those are the two playing teams last year that didn't make the final eight. So I'm not really making a big leap from the Eastern. I, listen, Raptors. Totally on board with. All for it. I'd actually say maybe the Pacers are the other team here that that jump up, jump in. I just like the Pacers better than the Wizards, like your, you know, whatever we are on of Tyrese Haliburton. But just like the Pacers' chances of being a little bit better this this next year than they were last year, Granted, they kind of got to be a lot better to get up to five hundred because they were also twelve games under five hundred last year. But still, I'm with you on all of it here so far. With that being said, what about uh, what about some MVP picks, some Rookie of the Year picks as well here too? What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, so I think this is going to be a fun year. There's going to be a lot of people really trying to step out of their comfort zone to to be the guy. And that's what makes this so interesting to me. And to previous discussions that we had, I think a big part of this race is going to come down to health. It's going to come down to these types of players understanding how to load manage without load managing? Question mark? I don't know, you know, I know there's limitations to what they can do now, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. Um I know you brought up the Clippers earlier. I think that's a very special opportunity as well that hasn't really gotten the proper kind of uh, you know, chance to show something. And I know we've seen glimpses and of course when you think about all the players they have and the play styles, that could be very interesting, but again, it comes down to health and teams like that are heavily affected by that. So, anyways, for most valuable player, I have four picks here, okay? I think these four are probably going to be, if they perform the way I think they will, in the race. And I'm going to start with the obvious pick, Jokic. It just... He backs, I don't even need to okay. say anything. I mean, he's, it's Joker.
0: I mean, I mean, there's, there's, I, I almost don't want us to talk over you because I know, I know you, I, I know the Joker, the joker thing, I guess you could say. Like he's, he's coming back. He's, you know, he didn't win the MVP last year. And I think everyone's kind of looking around going, maybe we should have given him three years in a row. You know, maybe he, maybe he should have been the guy because, of course, he won the whole championship. So why not at that point? Right.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, he's just, he just does it. He just goes out there and he simply does it. And at that point, I have no argument. You know, if we were to be analyzing MVP based on true athletic basketball talent, he wouldn't even be on the list. But he's just so gifted with the way he handles the basketball, with the way he understands the game. He doesn't have to go. 90 miles an hour down the court coast to coast eurostep craziness he just he plays at his pace and he controls the games and he plays basketball the right way and if you do that game in and game out you're going to get MVP and i mean he's just he's evidence of that so i do think that there probably is some type of speculation to the idea that the nba doesn't want to just give somebody over and over and over and over again awards like that. And I think maybe you could make an argument that that's happened throughout history. But either way, I think that you really have to analyze it on the entire season, the success of the team, success of the player and individual stats and such. So he can never be a player that people can expect not to to perform. But I think I think I'm putting him as the first option here because I think there is a big chance for someone else to step in and and really want to to display their their uh, dominance. And the next player that I'll recommend on this list really knows how to dominate, and that's Giannis.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Y- listen, y- Giannis. Giannis is a is a no brainer, right? He's won the MVP before. I don't think Harden's going to get any of this. I don't think Westbrook's going to get any of this talk or discussion for MVP. But Giannis is the most recent MVP where we go. All right, sounds good. You know, like like I can see Giannis for sure. With with that being said, what what do you think about Embiid? Is there a chance here, Embiid? I, I, I there's a chance. There's always a chance. There's heck. You know what? There's there's a, there's a chance that Chris Paul could win MVP this year. Not saying it's going to happen. You know, but, but we could all be sitting here, you know, I mean, basically, you know, in six months ago, Jeremiah Robinson Earl came up out of nowhere. And. You know what? It's uh, it's bizarre that he, he came out of the, you know, basically the Rockets lineup and just bizarrely was great. But now he's probably going to win most per player if it's JRE. Whereas Chris Paul, it's like, well, you know what? He probably also be winning, you know, most per player. But Joel Embiid, I don't think he can win most of replace play because he won the MVP last year. I don't think that's possible. So Embiid, Giannis, Joker, all three of these guys, I'm I'm with you on, and I just want to hear more of what you got to say about Giannis, though.
1: Sure. So before I go back into Giannis, I just want to say Embiid did not make my list simply because I feel like he's kind of in a very difficult situation over there in Philly and. I think, you know, he's someone that you can never count out as well. He's just very consistently dominant. And when he's when he's on his game, it's pretty difficult to beat a player like that. And I, I do I do agree with that. But I think that just the dynamics of the team and the dynamics of the GM and other not the GM, the owner, people like that in his organization really just make it hard for him to kind of thrive the way he needs to. And that's unfortunate, and maybe I'm a little bit, I, I shouldn't think that way when I analyze this, and I'll i will will give credit where, where it's due for him. He definitely earned his MVP. But I think he's just, especially with the things that are going on with Harden right now, I think it's very difficult for him to be considered for me at this present time. But he may change that for me, so we'll see. Now, as far as Giannis goes, I think, like we just said, he's a previous MVP. We know what he's capable of doing. We know that he was on a less notoriety organization and state and was able to take them to a championship. And that's very tough to do. And that's something that, you know, we crave as Oklahomans for the for our state, but you know, it, it really requires a lot. And I gotta give credit where it's due. He was able to do it, and the lineup that he had maybe isn't the most insane lineup in the world on paper but they were able to get it done and if you just think about what you've seen from Giannis when he first started his rookie season into now the man has just completely transformed as a player Uh, I can't take away from it I think he's incredibly humble I like to hear him talk in interviews and I think he's very dedicated to his approach to basketball and that's something that you know you can't ever take away from a player like that and when you add Damian Lillard, I mean, he's only going to make you better. So yeah, he's got a definite shot this year and it'll be interesting to see the bucks in general. And I'm, I'm really hoping that the regular season kind of gives them a more opportunities to shine than what I've seen in the preseason, because thus far, I think it's kind of been a little bit lackluster, but we can't analyze it. I understand these games are not real games and I don't want to think about it that way, but you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun year. It really is. We have a lot to experience this year.
0: We definitely do. Definitely do for sure. There's one other name I want to throw in, and, and it's it's a it's a homer pick. I mean, no one's no one's gonna be saying, oh man, Calvin, can't believe you chose that guy." But it's <laughs> it's SGA. Um, got right it. I'm, right I'm right there with you, man. I'm right there with you. SGA. Shay Gilders Alexander for MVP. That's that's what you're hearing here right now. You're not hearing it here first, but you're definitely hearing it now for sure. With that being said, here, what about Rookie of the Year? What are we thinking there?
1: Are you sure you're not biased because of the last name? Let's be
0: honest. You but know anyway. what? You know what? You know what? You know what? People people have said, dude, how do you not own several Shay Gilders Alexander jerseys? And I'm like, maybe I just don't wear them. How do you not own several Shay Gilders Alexander T shirts? Like maybe I just don't wear them. You got to save them for something special, you know. Got to save for that MVP run. We'll be you'll be seeing Calvin Glenn Alexander (laughs) rock his uh, Shea Gilchrist Alexander shirts and uh, shirts and jerseys this year a lot on the SGA, basically surgeons towards the MVP. So it'll be a great time. Can you? That's amazing. Last last thing here before we get to rookie, year, Could you imagine? an organization having three separate MVP winners within the first 15 seasons they become a franchise? Because this is the Thunder's, I believe, 15th year. Um, I mean, 08's when they started. They've already got two. Now, I granted, I know Durant's no longer with the Thunder. They could have, probably could have had three if they'd kept Harden, but I'm not talking about that trade anymore. In fact, no one is. So but could you imagine Durant, Westbrook, and SGA in the first 15 years all winning MVPs for a brand new organization. How crazy would that be if we were able to go, oh my gosh, that's incredible.
1: Well, I mean, you just said it yourself. It's it's an opportunity that's ahead of us right now. And to be honest, I think that there is a big opportunity for Shea last year. I think that... Really, it comes down to the performance of the Thunder overall that kind of impacted that for him. Had we had made the playoffs and been a higher seed, maybe at least get to the second round or something like that, then it would have been a different conversation. I mean, the guy just is an outright amazing, gifted basketball player. And coming from someone that really focuses on how to maneuver and how to dribble and, and just be poised. That's I really try to mimic his play style because he's just so smooth with it. So man, as an Oklahoman, as a thunder fan, as a, just in general, a fan of Shea, I think this is his year to go and take it. And he was my number one pick for MVP. And all I can say is power to him. I'm going to be repping that Jersey as much as I can and use Chet. Use J-Dub. Use Giddy. Let Dort be your, you know,
2: spot up defender. Make it happen. Make it happen.
0: Make it happen, Captain. Let's let's get let's get it rocking. All right. Well, what do we got for rookie of the year here?
1: Okay, so I'm gonna be, I already can if anyone's listening to this right now, I know I'm a bit biased. I'm sorry. I, I am, but I also want to at least try to proclaim that I, as an enthusiast of basketball, try to make these analysis without too much bias involved and truly consider all the variables at play. I truly think our rookie of the year is Chet. And let me tell you oh. what. All right. He is a player, like I just said, I don't know, 20 minutes ago. He's a player that has had an entire year. To sit courtside and analyze every team, start to finish, games, film, practices, everything. And he was able, I mean, it's unfortunate that he was injured. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that playing isn't a better experience. Obviously, getting out there physically is going to make the biggest difference. But it gives him such an edge in this race that people can't take for granted. And don't get me wrong. Wimpen Yama is a player that I have like a player that I've never seen before he's a 7-4 seven, 7-5 seven, point guard that can block shots and euro step from the freaking free throw line and dunk so eh, that's going to be hard to, to battle and he's going to be and I think the biggest issue that Chet's going to have is not going to be necessarily how well he plays individually but the hype and the the media aspect that's going to come with Wimbenyama's presence in the NBA this year. But I truly think that Chet is just a little bit more poised and it seems like he's just a little more put together when it comes to his, his plug and play in the thunder and kind of his role and what he does. He's not doing too much. He's not going to try to do some crazy, you know, behind the back between someone's legs plays and don't get me wrong. Those are all nice to see. And I love highlights just like the next person, but I think you're not going to see as many highlights from Chet and you're going to see more one games. Simple as that.
0: I like it. I, you know, I, I think that's going to be more indicative of a rookie of the year. I was making sure I got the pronunciation correct, but I think that's be more indicative of a rookie of the year guy is, okay, Wimby could have all the highlights. He he probably is going to have two highlights a game here for the foreseeable future. But you know who also has great highlights? Jalen Green, the Houston Rockets. Um, Cade Cunningham of the Detroit Pistons has some good highlights in his rookie year. I know last year he sat out. But you always have, you know, the Zion. Oh, man, those are some great highlights. But did they win rookie of the year? Mm, unfortunately not for them. And... That really does lead down to the, you got good highlights. You got a good record. Uh, I think you're right. I think Chuck could have the rookie of the year. Well, that being said, though, I also want to talk some Thunder basketball. And want we'll to ask you here this. The, right now, Thunder record is, uh, you know, they're, they're currently playing the, the Pistons here. And they're actually up nine in the second quarter of the preseason. So, no, you're not missing any Thunder basketball. That matters. But that being said, Thunder have quite a talented roster but quite an interesting choice on who starts for the starting lineup. So they've got several guys. Of course, I, I would pencil in SGA. I would pencil in giddy. I would pencil in Lou Dort. but then you got like two other spots. I'm also kind of penciling in Chad Holmgren. Maybe you also start J dub uh, Jalen Williams. Of course, not the center Jalen Williams, who's six, nine, but the other Jalen Williams, who's went to Santa Clara, but, What's your dream lineup? Let me ask you this before I say I'm penciling in the whole entire starting five in my books and tee up for not an answer possible. So what's your starting five dream <laughs> wise?
1: Well, I got to say great minds think alike because you nailed it. If we're analyzing the Thunder roster from start to finish, you're understanding the type of players that you have. You're understanding the skill set you're wanting to represent at the beginning of a game to to start off the Correct flow of the game, the pace that the Thunder like to play with, etc., etc. I think you can't go wrong with exactly what you said. You want to have shay that's a must. You want to have. I'm gonna say Shea and Chet are a lock. You cannot; those two guys are going to be the core starters for for their specific role and position. The other three are kind of inter- interchangeable, if you will. But I truly think that Giddy is a player that. People cannot just assume falls off after a bad game or something like that because the guy has court vision like nothing else and understands the game of basketball at a high level and his IQ is high enough to make the right play. Is he going to, you know, drain all his threes? Absolutely not. He's going to miss shots. We're going to see some miss shots from Josh Giddy this year, but I think he just brings something to the team that's so important to the way they flow he's not afraid to be that extra pass guy and you know a lot of guys especially me being a smaller person in general you got to understand that in order to make your your teams work you can't be a hero and expect it to to always work out in your favor you have to be able to understand when to defer and he's that type of player you cannot go wrong with lou dort's defense I'm sorry, but he's he's shown it time and time again, even if we haven't had the most postseason success yet, that he can guard some of the best players in the NBA with no issues. And when you have someone like that on your team, you know, similar to some of the guards we've had in the past, uh, Cephalosha Robertson come to mind. Those are the type of guys that you really need on your team. They may not be out there getting all the buckets which, let's be honest, Dort actually had a crazy good game in Montreal, but he he has the potential to hit shots and do things like that. But I don't pick him on my starting lineup for any of that. I pick him strictly for his defense. I think it's just something that you can never put aside because he's going to guard your best player, and he's going to do a good job. And, of course, the four spot, Jalen Williams, J-Dub specifically, he he surprised me. He really surprised me. I wasn't sure what to think of those picks originally, both, I think it was, what was it, uh, 12 and 18? Is that right? Um, Yeah. I didn't know if those picks were going to amount to what they did, but I think the Thunder and Sam Presti really, really did something good with this pick of J-Dub. He is a player that is improving drastically and at a fast rate. So if you got a player like that and he's able to put up 25 points in a game easily and he's he's not making too many bad decisions. You gotta plug him in and you gotta let him have fun and let him figure it out. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. So if you have all those five together, that's my ideal starting Thunder lineup.
0: All right. Love to hear it. Gotta say. I, I my mine's the same. It there there's no difference here. Uh so we'll go ahead and move on. The 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 question I guess I'd have here is. Who's the first guy off the bench, and and I think that'll be an interesting thing here to see. Maybe Jalen will J Dub is sat. Maybe Josh Giddey sat. I don't think I don't think Shea Gilders has any less minutes than he had last season. I think he could plays even more minutes than he did last year. But yeah, maybe you stagger a little bit with some of these playmakers, some of these guys who really just see the court so incredibly well. Maybe also you see Mister uh, Mitricks, excuse me, play a little bit more games where. He, Guy's signed for quite a quite a decent salary in the NBA. He's not getting paid, you know, a poor man's game. So he's making more than a lot of good Thunder players, including Giddy. So I think there's a good chance we see him as well. Also, the guy's 29 coming over from Europe. He's not bad. So with that being said, and he's a proven guy with his age. Also, just want to ask you though, it's bringing up the you know who sits first. Is it Jalen Williams? Is it Josh Giddy? Who plays that staggered lineup where we go, maybe you're not really a six-man, but maybe you're the first guy off the bench as far as a playmaker. You know, you you, you sit Josh Giddey with six minutes left in the first quarter or that first media break, but then all of a sudden you bring him first off the bench too with that second-team lineup to really run the second team and have that extra percent energy, enthusiasm, etc. I don't think either of these two guys are going to be six-man of the year candidates because they don't score enough, honestly and they don't have that pure scoring that they're known for, but playmaking they could. Who do you think's better? Jalen Williams or Josh Giddy with that being said?
1: So I got to say, I think they both have really high ceilings, and they're both very interesting players with different skill sets and different dynamics to how they can impact the winning of the Thunder. But I think that Jalen Williams is showing to have a higher exponential rate of growth to me than Josh Giddy currently. Do I think that Giddy has a chance to surpass him, maybe this season or maybe later? Sure, that's definitely a possibility. But at this current moment in time, I think that I'm really impressed with the trajectory that Jalen J Dub has, and I, I look forward to seeing him really make his his spot as the probably the second highest scorer on the Thunder known, and we'll see that this year. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll we'll see it for sure. I'm. I'm curious to see if Josh Giddy's basically size proves to be a huge issue for a bunch of other teams. Because every Josh Giddy highlight I see, and I don't know if you've seen these same kind of like clips on, you know, whether it be Instagram Reels or TikTok or YouTube Shorts or whatever other, you know, video clips platforms we have now. But it's just Josh Giddy going, how in the world is this guy so good? And then you just see highlights of him just making layups. Right, just going around a guy, but he's 6'8", so he has such a tight handle. It's like, man, if this guy was 6'2", he wouldn't be elite. But because he's 6'8", and he can pass it so well, too, he's elite. And I've seen a lot of basically different uh, you know, different interviews this offseason, too, with Giddy saying, you know, last year I was giving teams an easy out. I was taking a spot-up shot. I was taking a floater when I've got to use my size a lot more to get to the rim. So I'm curious if we see kind of a Josh Giddy correction more so more or less this uh this season's well too so we already answered the uh sga win mvp i think we're both there i think we both agree
1: us sga can win mvp right absolutely he's got an awesome supporting cast he's the player that we need to really closely watch this season i think he deserves all the recognition in the world i hope we get some national games especially games where we can showcase Chet and Wimbanyama again. I'd love to see that. That's a cool little rivalry that we're seeing start there. I think above all else, we really need to focus on what the Thunder have to bring. I know this is going to sound biased as we've said previously, but man, I really think that this is maybe not the year, but we're, we're getting close to the the opportunity to really make a run. And I think we're maybe just one or two pieces really from, from that the- being a, An actual reality let's be honest and i'll say this i think people need to recognize the the shooting potential first off that we have on our bench and most notably i think the biggest off-season acquisition for the thunder that's a sleeper right now and i want your opinion on this is davis pertance
2: the man is a bucket
0: Certified bucket. I mean there's there's no one else who's SGA's playing style is one you can't emulate. There's not um there's not a, like the Kobe, you know, kind of fadeaway, the the dirk, you know, with his leg up in the air, kind of one foot, one legged shot. There's not the Kareem Skyhook. I, I can go through several different NBA, NBA players here and be like, oh, there's this this. But SGA, there's not like really a style you're emulating necessarily. I've never seen anyone play the way he does, especially when he's around the rim, where he he has the size to push guys under the basket, but he also has the athleticism and and kind of the patience of, like, kind of like Le'Veon Bell when he was uh, an incredible running back with the Steelers, which not too long ago, but in 2016 or 2014, where basically he had the patience to wait for the hole to open before he'd hit it. And that's almost what SGA is able to do. He's able to like wait for the timing to be perfect for him to make that layup. And when it comes down to crunch time, he's able to do it. When it comes down to, you know, just the final couple minutes of the game, he's able to do it. There's hasn't been a time yet where I've seen SGA be truly stumbled. Uh, or stumbled, excuse me, in the last couple minutes of a game because he just isn't even hitting shots anymore it isn't working anymore. It's almost like, man, SGA... You're playing pickup hoops, right? And, and you've got this guy named Yeah. Well, let's say You got everyone out there, and you've got prototypical guys at prototypical sizes, right? You're playing pickup hoops. SJS is the one guy, real like. Every time I give him the ball, something good happens. You know, I mean, there's there's something always good happens with when he has the ball in his hands, when he's a decision maker. It's very, very seldomly, if at all, he he makes a bad choice with what's going to happen with the basketball next. And I'm not saying he is the Unequivocally, best player in the NBA, but I think he has that potential, and that's what we're talking about here. Uh, the SGA could just take over game. It's the SGA game, and all of a sudden, now instead of seeing like highlights of LeBron and KD and, and a bunch of others, we're seeing highlights of SGA all over social media this year. So I, it, it's just it's just way too hard to be able to tell. Oh my gosh, we we love this guy for this reason. We hate this guy for this reason, but we we love SGA. We there's there's no there's no hate at all. I I don't. If someone's like, oh man, SGA sucks, I don't like him, or whatever. Tell me more why? Because I I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to understand it. Because there's really I, listen. We could talk about how the guy's super nice because he's Canadian. We could talk about how the guy's super awesome because he's from this area of the country, whatever it may be, but. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's awesome. And I don't think he has any enemies. So why couldn't he win MVP? Right? I mean, that, that's kind of how MVPs go. You're always awesome with the ball in your hands. And you don't have any enemies. And you see one whole thing. So I know we've also talked about some chat expectations here. We talked about Chet for Rookie of the Year pick. So I'm just going to try to end out this podcast here on this last question. Who would you trade? If you your Sam Presti, tomorrow I say Chance, you're Sam Presti. You got to trade for one guy to put us over the hump with all of our traffics, all of our resources. That makes a good trade. What are you, who are you trading for? What's, what's the guy we're missing?
1: So I have thought about this question for quite a while. And right. this question dates back previous seasons. You know, we've, we've had to kind of endure some kind of grueling seasons of tanking and, and just, not really getting to to feel what Thunder basketball really is, which in my opinion has been almost immediately winning at the highest level from a very young age for myself, you know, back in the KD Westbrook era with Harden. It's just, it's hard to think about that and to think about now and to understand what Thunder basketball was, what it's capable of being and to go through periods of, of rebuilding. But, now that we're finally getting to the end of that, it just, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that tunnel will be visitable with just one or two picks or trades or acquisitions, if you will, whatever you want to call it. Now, let's be honest, I, I don't necessarily know how to fully understand who's capable of being traded to us, who is actually a financial option for that organization, if you will. But I, in my opinion, if we were to be right where we need to be with the, the current roster makeup or the, the required roster makeup to make a legitimate championship run, I think that you need to find someone that's a veteran style player. This doesn't need to be a player that averages 40 points. You know, we're not talking about a superstar. I don't think that's what the Thunder needs right now. You have your superstar, you have your supporting cast. What you need is a way to make your team deep and a way to bolster the morale in the locker room. And if you can pick like a 6th man, 7th man, 8th man, big man that's going to replace Chet and has winning experience can kind of also coach Chet up. Maybe it's an older guy that doesn't necessarily have the same type of athleticism and a physical ability that Chet's going to have being a super young guy. Uh, But maybe he has all the tools and all the knowledge that Chet needs to kind of absorb while he's learning how to be that starting center and can just come in and take over and give him that rest that he needs at the same time as being exactly that missing link. If if I had to kind of put a name to it, I and I don't think this would happen just because of the way that the cap is set up and salaries and whatnot, but we need a Siakam type player. And I would have said this last year. I think we should have tried to trade for Siakam. I think he's an excellent fit for the Thunder. Imagine Siakam was to take it. Now, you probably think that Siakam is better than Chet at this current moment in time. I don't know that for sure. But I think Chet's ceiling is much higher. And I think if Chet was able to have someone like Siakam or someone that's that's a successful big man kind of teach him the way, man, the sky's the limit for the Thunder. I'm
0: I'm with you. With you 110%. In fact, I, I think this uh this team could use could use one guy like that. They could use one guy who's got that three and D prototypical asset to his game. Because you see how good Isaiah Joe is when he's able to make some shots, be in games, and just be lights out from three. But you also see we do need some defense that's a little bit bigger than Dort. Dort. The only, the only, the only reason why at all that Dort's a bad defender is because he's 6'5". And 3-2-4. and you know what? That that really doesn't hinder him all that much. But it's just enough where it's like, ah, man. So I'm hoping check can get there. I'm hoping check can fill in that gap. But there's also just kind of the in-between where it's like, Okay, we got Chet. that's got Blue Dort, But you almost need that defender who's like 6'9". When you have a 6'5 and a 7-foot defender. And we don't have a guy that I trust on defense like that. But maybe Giddy will surprise us. Maybe uh, J- maybe J-Double will surprise us as well. So, be a great deal either way. Chance, I got to say, thanks so much for joining here on the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. How to plug it one more time. If you're not already, please follow at the CGA Tour on X, or formerly known as Twitter, um, and Instagram as well as TikTok here. Any other shout outs you want to give? Maybe uh, some Tuesday night hoop shout out to uh, this upcoming week.
1: Hey, man. First of all, appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. It's my first ever podcast ever. So thank you again for giving me the opportunity to kind of give my insight and my feedback on those great topics. And I truly appreciate that. As far as shout outs go, man, I'm just looking forward to breaking some ankles each Tuesday. I'm looking forward to hitting you with the dimes. And I'm looking forward go. to those finishes. Key yeah. word.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got to tie that up <laughs> a little bit. That's on me. I got to tie that up a little bit. Got to get some, uh, we, we gotta we gotta stay maybe we maybe we both uh, next Tuesday here we get there a little bit a little bit early. Get there thirty minutes early and we just start practicing some uh you know, some finishes here at the rim. Yeah, you know, some good those great dime passes. I'm just not used to getting passes that good. You know, they surprise me and I almost have to take a second to admire them before I put it up to the rim and and that's <laughs> one second, you know, I'm just like, man. Uh, I'm going to miss it. So, hey, don't discredit what? yourself. You have some good post plays. Ah, well, 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 thank you. Thank you. The, the, the lefty hook gets people time to time. It so does. That's what you're not going here under the rim. Um, but, yeah, you know what? Tuesday nights, you want to come play some basketball? basketball? Sex, Chance, around. on. You know, hit uh, us up on Instagram, whatever maybe. may be. So, Chance, again, thank you so much here for joining us on the latest episode of the CJ Tour Podcast. We'll catch you guys again soon here as well. Peace. So